Hi, everybody. My name is Greg Hancock, and along with my friend Patrick Curran, we are the Paradox who make up Quantitude. We're a podcast dedicated to all things quantitative, ranging from the relevant to the completely irrelevant. In this episode, what starts as a friendly check-in with our intern, Ethan McCormick, in the Netherlands, turns into Ethan's Pop Quiz Revenge, around the themes of statistical paradoxes and distributions. Along the way, we also mention headlamps, airport carousels, prostrate versus prostate, operatic ambulances, ungulates, how Xmas got its X, Cobra Kai, Bromeo, Metric Time, Clang Association, Parodices, and William of Orange. We hope you enjoy today's episode. So you're back. We were about to start and you stood up and walked away. (laughs) There's just a lot of chaos going on in the house right now. My wife is away traveling, and so I'm in charge of the whole house. It turns out she does some stuff. Now I know. And I've been trying to keep the fort together. I mean, I was up at like four something this morning. The the season is changing. It was raining. You know what I was doing out in the yard at four something in the morning? Frightening the neighbors? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it turns out that I hadn't been as diligent in cleaning up after Gus in the yard. And when it rains, it just turns into a whole mess. So this morning at four something, I was out there like, oh my gosh, I got to clean up all of what Gus left behind. So that's how my morning started. How about you? Mm -hmm. And Gus is your youngest son, right? The incontinent one. Yes, but we love him just the same. (laughs) So at 4 a.m., you were wandering the yard in the rain picking up dog poop. I have a headlamp. (laughs) (laughs) I I actually have a headlamp, so I look like a miner out there going through the yard. So you and I are pretty much as established as we're going to be as senior academicians And we can just fill that role of what all the young academics are aspiring to, that they say, if I put in 25 years, if I work my long hours, if I write papers, if I get grants, I too can put on a headlamp at 4.30 in the morning and pick up dog turds in a pouring rain. Well done, Hancock. Talking about dog turds, we're recording an episode today. So one thing I find... Let's go with endearing about us, because Hmm. we're the only ones who's going to identify things that are endearing, is how many things we're going to say we do that we don't actually get around to doing. Oh, my gosh. That's a theme of the show. You know, we hired a web page designer, and I have yet to return her emails yet. Um, First of all, we did. Um, (laughs) You've got to start reading my emails, man. Thanks, we, for doing that. All right, well, that's good news. We have a long list of these things. However, we are going to do penance today by trying to do something that we said we were going to do in episode one. Puzzlers! We're doing puzzlers! (laughs) We did one puzzler! And puzzler. 70 episodes ago. (laughs) Oh, God. We are horrible, horrible podcast hosts. There you go, using we again. Yeah, (laughs) you're right. I'm sorry. You are a horrible, horrible (laughs) podcast host. So we said we were going to check in with some friends of the podcast and just see what people are doing out and about in the world. Mm -hmm. I want to check in on our alleged intern, Ethan McCormick, because Ethan 
uh-huh. who is a young, untethered man in the world, has decided to move to Europe for a couple of years. Think about while you're picking up dog turds with a headlamp and pouring rain, <laughs> Ethan is living the life in Holland. Wow. Or the Netherlands or the Dutch. I don't know. We have to ask Ethan. I get a little confused on that country. Is this witness relocation stuff? I probed and he was very vague. Huh. Okay. If it's witness relocation program, he's not understanding the core premise <laughs> of it by talking to us. <laughs> Ethan, join us. You are where out in the world? So I'm currently circling Carousel 4, Amsterdam's airport. <laughs> I'm not been allowed to leave yet. Uh, I think I'm on my 2,000th turn around the baggage area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you landed without having somewhere to live, right? Yep. So you were living out of baggage claim for a while. Have you finally gotten out of the building? I have uh, officially found a place to live. Um, So I'm living in Utrecht, which is in the middle of the Netherlands. Not officially Holland. There's some confusion, but um, it's its own province. So you have the horrible, horrible misjudgment of working with me a bit when you were at UNC in developmental neuroscience. That right there is just going to be a major block for you going anywhere in your (laughs) career. But setting that aside... He had to leave the country. He had to leave the country. (laughs) And I've been telling people I'm Canadian. (laughs) You got a developmental neuroscience PhD. You started getting quanti in some of our working classes and things like that. Why are you in the Netherlands? What are you doing? So the Netherlands has a really great history of both quantitative psychology and neuroscience. I am working with Rogier Kivit at the Donders Institute in Nijmegen. Basically, my postdoc is very open. I'm allowed to incorporate as much quant-focused work as I can in studying variability in behavior and brain structure. That's currently what my postdoc is focused on. And how long are you there for? Contract is for two years in the first instance. Is that a legal phrase, in the first instance? I think it means that I can be here for two years and then there's an option to extend it if I've done well, which, you know, we're not counting on at all. Mm -hmm. And then you'd return to Canada. Yeah. So I'm probably coming (laughs) back in like one and a half years, if we're being honest. (laughs) Metric years. And that's different. (laughs) That's right. It is metric years. Is there a different way of measuring time there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do it in base seven, actually. (laughs) Now, other than trying to put as much distance between you and me as possible, which I have to admit, it's a good start, but if you get a globe, you've still got some work to do. <laughs> Greg, I just want you to know that this is definitely a blink twice situation, and I'm blinking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know I can see you, right? We're all on Zoom right now, and Ethan is giving his safe blink to Greg. I'm looking at you. Right. Am I supposed to steal second base or does the man need help? Yeah. Okay. But I got it. So beyond putting four or 5,000 miles between the two of us, what's your long con on this? Yeah, that's a really great question. And one that I will hopefully have at the end of two years. In the first instance. In the first instance. <laughs> <laughs> Part of it was just sort of personal. I wanted to move somewhere far away and experience something new. And uh, this was an amazing opportunity to do that in a country that doesn't speak English officially, but does officially. Goal one day might be to get a faculty position if those still exist by the time I'm on the job market. And then you'll wake up in 25 years and think to yourself... I've got to go pick up dog turds in the pitch black pouring rain. No, but one day I'm going to come back and I'm going to take Patrick's job. I'm just going to kick him out and take up residence. One day? 
Dude, <laughs> how's Thursday? It is yours for the taking. And I got to tell you, there are a number of people who would be perfectly fine with that. I am very excited for your journey and what you have going on there and all the adventures that lay ahead of you. And someone else who's really glad you're over there, Jiffy had... No, no, <laughs> Jiffy no. was really glad no. <laughs> that you're there. <laughs> Just saying, Jiffy communicated to me in a way that Jiffy does. That little voice in your head. <laughs> and if you get an anonymous box with lemur turds in it, you <laughs> probably know where that came from. So that's what Greg was doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, when he went out at 4.30 in the morning, there weren't any turds on the lawn. But there are now. So anyway, thank you so much for finding time for doing this. Seriously, it really is an exciting time for you. And I think to some extent, Patrick and I will be living vicarious, vicariously, living with vicarity. You went from okay to good to worse. Okay. <laughs> Try one more time. Okay. Send pictures so Patrick and I can enjoy them. We're very happy for you. Although the last picture of Ethan that went to you was him flipping you off. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. I think this is a good point to wrap up then. All right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Thanks. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say that you two can leave. What? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, what? You don't get to leave. I've got several bones to pick with Patrick. Oh, let's stay. Yeah, exactly. So you just sit tight, Dr. Curran. <laughs> I don't like any aspect of this. You know what I didn't like? <laughs> I don't, but I feel like I'm going to hear it. So I'm preparing for my dissertation defense, right? One of the most stressful times in a PhD student's life. Part of the ritual at UNC Chapel Hill is that you provide refreshments. Now, I had asked before, what kind of refreshments would people like? Patrick J. Curran <laughs> was like, I want donuts. I want donuts, and I'm not going to pass you if I don't get donuts. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> Bring donuts. I get there at 7.30 in the morning to pick up donuts. I'm already not sleeping. And what does this <laughs> do but not eat up one of them? like donuts. Oh. I'm confused on this tradition. It is the biggest day in your academic career. Exactly. And he doesn't bring the donuts in no, celebration. No. He actually makes <laughs> No, why would I bring donuts? I don't like donuts. Not the person who makes, you know, a reasonable salary. Who... But it's fine. It's fine. But it's a tradition. Are you arguing against traditions? No, no, you don't get to talk. To <laughs> I like this guy. Do you see what the last two or three years of my life has been like? The last two or three years of your life? How many meetings have we had where I come in having done some analysis or written some draft and you'd be like, I don't remember a thing we talked about. Like here, I'm going to redo everything. That's going to be what I said not to do last time. In retribution, I am starting a pop quiz for the two of you. Sorry, Greg. <laughs> But you associate with him, and so that's what you get. Okay, so I was so on board up until about three seconds ago. What the hell did I do? 80 episodes. You know what you've done. Oh. <laughs> oh. First, 
You need to learn to let things go. So like a good Catholic, you know what you've done. I need to take responsibility for it, and I need to do penance, which is a handy little Catholic thing. Oh, 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 what you're saying, Ethan, is if we do this bloodbath that you're describing, then we're cool. It undoes all the negative things I've ever done to you. First of all, thank you for explaining what I meant to me. (laughs) Welcome to my world, Ethan. Um, And second, no, no, no. This is the smallest shovel on the mountain of that I've had to put up. (laughs) I still am having concerns with the me part of this. You can tell Jiffy later. Is this Dutch? Is this what you've picked up over there? Oh, you watch Ted Lasso, right, Mm -hmm. Greg? And don't they have, like, the Dutch football player who everybody thinks is rude, but he just speaks the truth? Jan Maas. He's just being Dutch. Goldfish? By means to forget our mistakes and failures and just move on. But I didn't make any mistakes. Only you played poorly. Oh, wow. Hey, guys, Jan Maas is not being rude. He's just being Dutch. Hmm? Yeah. So you've been there like an hour and a half and you've decided now. Some cultural institutions are really useful. Like donuts at meetings. (laughs) Okay, so Patrick, for me, I would like you to define... Wait, are we what starting? a paradox is. Is this your first pop quiz, Ethan? There has to be a timer here. Do you have a timer set? Yep, but it's arbitrary and capricious. <laughs> so like my advisement. <laughs> Hancock, you're looking at me. You're giving me that look. I had no freaking idea. This is why we say we do all those things that we're going to do and then don't do it. Right now, this is why we don't do it. I have pages of stuff that we were going to talk about today. It's not on an iPad. It's right here. Thank you. Okay, what is a paradox? Sorry, a paradox? What does this have to do with pop quiz? Answer the question. A paradox. Paradox is when there's a house by the water that offers two places to park your boat. That's a paradox. You know how I would define a paradox, actually, is Patrick J. Curran is a full professor at a respectable institution. I demand that a timer be set. You stay out of this. This is bad enough as it is. I'm setting a timer. Ethan, that was actually a good example of a paradox. A paradox is what? I'm horrible at definitions, but it's some statement that's like self-contradictory. And often in like an absurd way, but then it turns out that it's not like irony, but it's true. In the late 40s, early 50s, they built a high altitude nuclear bomber called the Peacemaker. Oh, geez. I would say that that was a paradox, the B-36 Peacemaker. Okay, so what? Paradox. Great. Pop quiz is over. Thank you so much. Can I uncrumple my paper now? No, no. We have a full quiz for the both of you. I will be asking the questions. Each of you will have 30 seconds. 30 seconds? No, no. (laughs) What did we do on prior ones? 90 seconds? We, We did 90 before, yeah. I demand 90 seconds. Very well. Are you setting a timer? I have a timer. Does it have the fun music? I like, da-da-da. It's by the seaside. Would you put on by the seaside? He looks very (laughs) angry. (laughs) Look at him. He's very angry. 
That's his stern face. And there's the rude <laughs> gesture. All right. That's the Ethan I'm used to working with. I just want everyone listening at home to just know how much pain and suffering that the two of these people are putting me through. All right. So it's Greg's turn because I already did my first one. No, no, no. That didn't even count. It totally counted. It was a pop quiz of what is a paradox. And I told him. Ethan? Patrick goes first. Okay. <laughs> there we go. We're back. I want the official record to reflect that I don't like any aspect of what's happening right now. <laughs> and no one needs you to. No one needs you to at all. Thought I did, but I don't now. I just don't care, Patrick. Tell me everything <laughs> that you know about Simpsons Paradox. Go. That's it? That's my question? Go. So, okay. Okay. Simpsons Paradox. <laughs> It's when there's some nature of an effect in aggregate data that changes in magnitude or form in uh, uh, segmented data. And often it changes where it actually reverses. Uh, Simpson found it in the 50s. It's incredibly important in what we do. In the early 70s, there was a sex bias case uh, against Berkeley where looking over all programs, women were less likely to be admitted to grad school. But when you stratified it on departments, that women were more likely to get into the majority of programs because they applied to more competitive departments. Uh, recently, there was a COVID one where Italy had higher COVID rates than did China. But when you stratified on age, China had higher in every single one. Hmm. A cool baseball one. Uh, David Justice had a higher batting average in each of two years. But Derek Jeter had a higher batting average for the joint two years. So it's really weird how it flips. Um, it's all about disaggregating levels of effect. That's in group data, but it also happens in longitudinal data. On average, people who exercise are less likely to have a heart attack, but for a given individual, you are more likely to have a heart attack while you're exercising. Judea Pearl has done some really cool stuff with this with DAGs and colliders and trying to bring in a more causal view on it. The punchline is, is you've got to disaggregate levels of effects. Oh, that answer was over time. And so you get no credit. <laughs> what? Sorry. What do you mean? It was perfect. It was <laughs> flawless. Uh... Okay, Hancock, you're pretending like you're not even here. All right. And I, I just want to tell you that Ethan and I both can see you. No, I, I know how this works now, and I am not saying <laughs> Don't worry, Greg. You're next. That was brilliant, Patrick. I thought it was some of your best work, honestly. Was it that bad? <laughs> Only two thoughts came to mind. One is, how did you not mention The Simpsons? I mean, like, The Simpsons, right? I was a little panicky, I told you. And then the other thing is, I almost defy someone to find a paper by Judea Pearl that doesn't mention Simpsons Paradox. He just really, really uses that as a wonderful vehicle to try to understand DAGs and how we can make sense of the world. It is a nice reference that you threw out there. So I do have a question then, uh, in the spirit of delaying. Um, <laughs> Wait, is there another lawnmower? Because listeners, you don't know this, but we started recording this. And although Ethan and I couldn't hear a thing, Greg, with great emotion, said, oh, no, they're mowing the lawn in my neighborhood. We have to stop this. We literally stopped the recording for 45 minutes. 
and have now come back. So is there another lawnmower out there, Greg? No, it just <laughs> made me realize I didn't have to get up at 4.30 and go out and pick all that up <laughs> out of the yard. Um. Okay. <laughs> What's important here is it's Greg's turn. So, Ethan... <laughs> Never would I imply that I was going to tell you what to do, but might I respectfully suggest you turn your vitriol on Greg? I still don't get this, by the way. <laughs> I still don't understand how I wind up in the blast radius of this. Okay, Greg, mm. uh, strap in <laughs> and tell me everything you know about the chi-square distribution <gasps> in a minute and a half. Go. Okay, Uh Chi-square distribution is absolutely my favorite distribution. And what it makes me think of every time to start is, do you know why we have the abbreviation Xmas for Christmas? Anyone? Anyone? Is this worth the 90 seconds? Sure. I got nothing else on the chi-square distribution. Um, (laughs) It's because the letter chi, the Greek letter chi, was the first letter of Christ's name in Greek for Christos. And so we use, uh, it's chymus, but we use an X for that. That made me think of the chi-square distribution. Um, the chi-square distribution is named after, I think, a symbol that Carl Pearson used as an abbreviation for something much larger. It doesn't stand for Cobra Kai from Karate Kid. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that, It doesn't stand, I know, Patrick, you're confused on this. It doesn't stand for Kyristal. In Los Angeles, I'm Kyristal. You're Bromeo. Leave him out of this. The the chi-square distribution is a wonderful distribution for testing variances. So if I would like to test whether or not a sample variance differs statistically significantly from some hypothesized population variance, the chi-square distribution is your go-to. It's a beautiful distribution. It has degrees of freedom in the numerator, infinite degrees of freedom in the denominator. So when we say chi-square has degrees of freedom, we really just mean the numerator. And technically, it's not a variance ratio. It's a sum of squares relative to uh, a variance. It is also a sum of independent z squared. So if you ran a bunch of independent z tests, squared them all, summed them up, that would also be a chi-square distribution, which is... <laughs> it is possible that I took too much time on Dude, <laughs> Christmas Dude, that was the worst <laughs> clock management I have ever seen. I thought they were metric seconds. You said it was base seven. Is this also what happens in your 50s? You're just sort of like, I have to wind up slowly to the old story. <laughs> Cobra Kai, Kai Rizdal. Are you just <laughs> clang associating at this point? <laughs> Kai, my, bye, lie. I like to lie when I'm tired. Okay, it's true. I have a burn-in period, I think. <laughs> I- <laughs> well, we, we definitely need to discard a lot of that. <laughs> Ethan, this... Clearly is your gig, and I do not want to micromanage in the slightest. Yeah, when have you ever done that before? That's a paradox. (laughs) I want to give him like five or ten pity seconds to like make a point about the distribution. Like maybe talk about how degrees of freedom change the distribution, anything That would have been a great point. How that specifies the distribution, unlike the normal, where there's a mean variance. You know, you could have done anything like related to the statistics, I guess. (laughs) What's your position again, Greg? Yeah, I don't know what my position is. Prostrate? Wait, prostate? What's the word? No, prostate is right. (laughs) I get those words mixed up. (laughs) Have you gotten your revenge, Dr. McCormick? No, no. There's a whole theme for both of you. Themes? Yeah. No, I have planned my revenge meticulously (laughs) 
<laughs> while I was circling the Amsterdam carousel number four, just like dreaming of inflicting revenge on the two of you. For Patrick, in keeping with the theme of what we've been going with, paradoxes. Oh, no. Again, I return to you as a full professor in charge <laughs> of mentoring upcoming quantitative psychologists. I'm sorry, Valerie. I really am. And Chris, <laughs> you have my formal apology. I warned you, Valerie. I warned <laughs> and you. And Alexis, all of you, I, I sincerely apologize for what's happening right now. Run. Yeah, all of you who have succeeded in spite of Patrick. Patrick, your next question. Oh, Next no. pop quiz item is <laughs> tell me everything that Greg knows. <laughs> oh, this won't take long. <laughs> about Lord's Paradox. Oh, this is a good one. First, it's the world's coolest name, Lord's, Par Lord's Paradox. Um, it is it my paradox. Goes, hey, this is my time. Um, <laughs> it ties back to the T2 episode. Back in the day, Lord showed, it was in the late 60s, he did a hypothetical example, and he was looking at male and females in two dining halls and how much weight they gained in a year at university. Mm -hmm. So there were two time points, two groups, and he showed that if you did an ANOVA on the raw change score, you observe no differences. And if you did an ANCOVA and adjusted for the baseline score, you observe big differences. And so it's this paradox of depending upon the analysis that you use, are there differences or are there not? And this was like hitting a ball into play where all the heavy hitters came out. And so people have talked about this, Bach, Holland, um, uh, Howard Weiner, Paul Meal, Don Rubin, and there's a huge amount of disagreement and the general walk away is both views are right. It depends on the question. What are you asking? And a key part, and this is, wait for it, Judea Pearl and Dags mm. casts it as can the baseline in part be viewed as a mediator of the treatment or of the group differences because that's what the problem distills down to. So it's all about Dags. Time is up. Hancock, that's how you manage a clock. Really? <laughs> Do you want to go ahead and take a crack at this one first, Ethan? No, I'm, I'm really curious to see what you've got to say <laughs> after that. <laughs> first of all, your impression of the Lord I thought was lacking. Uh, I kind of liked your answer. What I, I And I really like that you... <laughs> I like that you actually brought up the example about the dining hall because that's where it came from. That's very nice. It would have been nice if you went a little bit farther with the DAG stuff. There's a great, great paper in, I think it's 2019 by Yongnam Kim and Peter Steiner. I don't remember the exact title. It was in one of the journals that has sociological in it. Is it maybe SMR? Sociological Methods and Research. Okay, something like that. So a really, really nice paper that kind of uses a DAG's perspective to unpack the different functioning of gain scores versus ANCOVA, the potential for bias in them. Really, really nice. So, of course, I would have liked the DAG's aspect a little bit more. Well, in fairness to me, which is really <laughs> the only thing that's important here, suffice mm -hmm. it to say is I went into DAG's as deeply as I'm capable of. <laughs> Very shallow pond there. Uh -huh. <laughs> I think he's suffered enough. It's your turn again. I support that. 
I can only do better, right? Unless there's a leaf blower or a jackhammer <laughs> or a 737 warming up in your backyard. I'm sure there's uh-huh. something that leads us to stop this. Greg, I have full faith that you can do much worse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, than mine or than his? Than his, obviously. <laughs> this is clearly a within and between distinction here. Okay. okay. <laughs> Far be it from me to tell you how to do this. I would just suggest better Mm -hmm. clock management. Okay. Yeah, if we can get to substance before the last 15 seconds. (laughs) Hurry up, Ethan, before they start snow blowing. You pipe down. I can manage my own things. Greg, I want you to tell me everything you know about the F distribution in 90 seconds. Time starts now. Okay. So the chi-square distribution that we talked about previously, (laughs) as degrees of freedom gets bigger, it pulls away from the wall from being this highly positively skewed, piled up at zero distribution to becoming more and more normal. I didn't mention that previously. The expectation of the chi-square distribution is its degrees of freedom, and it has a variance that is twice its own degrees of freedom. And it relates to the F distribution. Thanks for asking. (laughs) The F distribution is like the super distribution. It's the distribution into which the Z distribution beautifully fits, the T distribution, and the chi-square. All can be thought of as special cases of that. The F distribution is a variance ratio distribution for testing independent variances. It was named, I think we talked about this over the summer, by Snedekor. He said, who is the most pompous effing person I know? And so he named it after Fisher, F distribution. It has degrees of freedom in the numerator, degrees of freedom in the denominator. When you take a T and square it, then you wind up with an F distribution that has one degree of freedom in the numerator and other degrees of freedom in the denominator. When you take a Z and square it, you get a one degree of freedom in the numerator F and an infinite number of degrees of freedom in the denominator and a chi-square if you divide by numbers of degrees of freedom then you wind up getting an F distribution as well. So it's like this big super distribution that can accomplish a whole bunch of different things. And... I like how it's like this trail forward where he uses some of his F time to make the key points from the chi-square one. After we had prompted him on the key points. I thought that that was pretty good, honestly. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is this the part of the class where we go around and grade our own work? <laughs> it's important to be self-reflective. Tell us one thing that you did well and two things that you could have improved on. <laughs> I'm sorry I showed up. Which one is that? <laughs> I was actually reasonably impressed, especially considering your last answer. <laughs> Given past performance, this mm-hmm. answer was exceptional. Yes, Thank you, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) You had a failed opportunity on that notion of what does the chi-square do when degrees of freedom go to infinity. You missed that in your first response, but I think you kind of recovered on the second one. And just my own curiosity is I always like the relation between T and T squared and F and numerator degrees of freedom and denominator degrees of freedom of how these are all linked in various ways. Yeah, we only need one table, right? We don't really need the Z or the T or the chi-square table. It's all there in the F for us. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what undergrad stats students want to hear is. (sighs) I don't know. That's a C. I give you a C. Oh, a C. Yeah, I think I'm a little more generous. I'd give you a D plus. Okay. (laughs) 
Well, Patrick's going to show me how it's done. I assume you've got another one for him. Yes, indeed. I am really looking forward to this. My heart is racing here. I would be too, because I don't even know another paradox. (laughs) (laughs) So, Patrick, would you say that your risk of a heart attack is elevated right now? God, I hope so. You have a running day, so it should be lowered yeah. in general. Yesterday was running day, so if I stroke out, it's Ethan's fault. He's stalling. <laughs> Greg, I'm with you. I'm not sure there is another paradox. <laughs> I hope you're thinking about kinds of distributions. I'm almost out. <laughs> Greg, I'll give you a hint for the next time. No, I didn't get a hint. Shut up. (laughs) It won't be the hypergeometric distribution. You're welcome. What is that? Patrick, I would like you to tell me in 90 seconds Uh everything you know about Berkson's paradox. (gasps) There is another paradox. I do know what this is. It's named after Berkson. Uh, This one is cool because the other ones you can address in modeling. So that's like a lot of the stuff. I'd go really deep into DAGs, but I don't have time about this. Is you can cast those as misspecified models. Berkson's is actually reversals of relations that are due to selection of the sample and a biased selection of the sample. So back in the day, Berkson studied risk factors for disease in hospital settings, and there was this very common finding that there was a negative relation when there should have been a positive one, so that the higher risk factor was associated with lower incidence of diseases. And the reason was there was an underrepresentation in the sample of people who had neither the risk factor or the disease because they wouldn't be in the hospital. This is endemic to stuff that we do. This is huge in college admissions. Imagine that you have a positive relation between GPA and SAT. And if you are low and low on those, you don't get accepted to college. And if you're high and high on those, you go to a better college. But at a given college, when you lop off those two ends of that ellipse, there's a negative correlation between GPA and SAT because you're cutting the ellipse at an angle and you get a negative relation. This is not DAGs. And congratulations on wandering into the most controversial example you could possibly (laughs) think of. I find this one really cool because we had a prior episode on sampling and we talked to your colleague, Mm -hmm. Greg, Laura Stapleton and Sonia Sturba has that wonderful MBR paper in 2009 on sampling. And at least in my neck of the woods in psychology, we pay attention to sampling, but not as much as we should. Do you remember Whitey Bulger, why do you rob banks and it's that's where they keep the money? Mm-hmm. Why do you study people in hospital settings and that's where they keep the sick people? But those mm-hmm. are not a random sample of people. And so depending upon what you're studying, you don't have healthy people in a hospital setting and that can seriously flip these relations around. It's not even when it flips, it's that in the population they're uncorrelated, but because of sampling, you've induced some sort of relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't get to make that point. No, Ethan, that's a really good point. Say you have X and Y, and these are the two things that you're studying. Is Ethan, you're exactly right, is if you condition X on Y, if they're independent, that conditional probability is the same as probability of X. And so in the population, they're independent, but in your sample, you build in a dependence, and typically you build that in in a negative way. 
what it is is an interesting instance of restriction of range. So the Mm -hmm. classic finding that GRE is uncorrelated with success in graduate school, and it's because you tend to only admit those who have high GREs. This one, though, is you have a broader spread, and the way that you do those angled cuts across the bivariate distribution, it's not just restriction of range where there's no relation, but there can be a pronounced negative relation. Ah, great point, Ethan. Uh, well, there's one thing that you said. I'm not sure I understand or believe. You said that it's definitely not DAGs because it sounds to me like what you described is super daggy. It sounds like you're conditioning on a collider. And isn't that essentially what the problem is here? That you're inducing a relation? Yeah. Well done. Okay. I wanted to see if you'd pick up on that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, again, it's pretty hard to know less about DAGs than I do. What I find interesting in difference relative to Lords and Simpsons, you don't have data in your sample to bring Mm -hmm. a competing model to bear to evaluate that. So maybe you can use a DAG to express that as a collider or whatnot. But in Lords and Simpsons, you can actually treat these as competing models and you can move the baseline Mm -hmm. to being a mediator and test that model. But the people who don't have the risk factor and don't have the disease state are not in your sample. Mm -hmm. And that's what I find an interesting distinction from the other two paradigms. Doxuses, paradoxes, parodies, para, peroxide, peroxide, prostate, prostates. I'm totally claiming ignorance here is maybe Pearl would say, no, 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 we can get a counterfactual and adjust for that. I don't know. But those cases are not in your sample because your design did not bring them into the data space. And I mean, I think if you had just had like like a two by two, right, you just have the four quadrants, it think maybe you could identify that you don't have people in a certain quadrant. But when you're in a multivariate uh, state and you have something like this going on in your data set, you may just not know. I mean, it may have something to do with the way you recruited people or the people who signed up for your study with selection effects. Like this can happen in a way that's not obvious. Yep, exactly. Yeah, because all the examples are, just as you say, is a risk factor, yes, no, and a disease state, yes, no. And you move into multidimensional continuity and you're screwed. But Ethan, what's really important that I want to follow up on a prior point you had is, isn't it Greg's turn? <laughs> mm, I don't think I don't think you're in charge of that. <laughs> like we had this whole conversation. We did. Like, we did. I, it, Patrick, I, I understand. Doctor Curran. <laughs> I'd like to hear Patrick speak on Einstein's twins paradox. Oh, dude, it's totally Dags. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) Sorry, just a second. There's an ambulance. Sure there is. Most ambulances have like the do-do-do-do sort Mm -hmm. of sound. But in in Belgium, or I guess like in Brussels particularly, the ambulances play this like operatic song, like sound. (laughs) Ambulances can be an annoyance to city dwellers with their shrieking sirens. Although, not if you live in Brussels, where that siren sounds very different. 
You have to look <laughs> it up at some point. Um, it's very funny, but okay, I think it's gone. You know, I will just say that Patrick's insistence that he doesn't know anything about DAGs is somewhat funny in relation to a tweet I saw the other day. DAGs, the new name for structural equation models. <laughs> And so, uh, Patrick, how many classes do you teach with those words in the title, would you say? Let me think about that while you ask Greg his question. Uh Uh-huh. Look at Greg. He's like hyperventilating here. Well, I'm just mentally going through my distribution Rolodex, (laughs) and it's just shocking how I know nothing. Okay, Greg, I'd like you to tell me everything you know about the Wishart distribution <laughs> in 90 seconds. Go. Can I pass. <laughs> There's no passing in this game, Greg. The clock is um, going. Uh, um, Wishart, <laughs> I, I wish I didn't just sharp myself when you asked me. Oh my God, the 15 seconds are gone. Okay, okay. Uh, All right. right. Imagine a single variance, um, a sample variance, and from sample to sample to sample, that single sample variance changes, right? It sort of pulsates randomly. Imagine you had a second variable that did that. In fact, imagine that from sample to sample, you tracked how their covariance between those things uh, randomly varied. Now, put it all together in a scatter plot, in a scatter plot that has variance along, we'll say, the x1 axis, variance along the x2 axis, and then covariance in their shape. Now, imagine you went sample to sample to sample, and it was like you know, you just watched it change. Boom. The shape's a little different. Shape's a little different. Shape's a little different. The Wishart distribution describes that random pulsation that you get in the variances and covariances, technically under multivariate normality. So extend that out to three dimensions. What is the distribution of a three-dimensional shape's variances and covariances? You got three variables, then you got three variances, three covariances. You got P variables, then you got P variances and did uh, p times p minus one over two <laughs> covariances, but the Wishart distribution describes how that pulsates under multivariate. Oh, oh, under multivariate. What, Greg? I didn't even get to my whole exposition on Bayesian priors. Well, I was about to say, what about the conjugate prior and colliders and conjugate <laughs> colliders? <laughs> That's on a vertex of a uh-huh. node. I believe it's the conjugate prior of the inverse of the covariance matrix. The conjugate for the precision. Are we just making up words at this point? Edge. Edge. It's an edge in a vertex. For a backdoor criterion. We're back to the prostate. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, All right. God. Okay, now for the rest of the day, I'm going to have to shake pulsating variances (laughs) because that's all I can envision is this like telltale heart. Yes. Edgar Allan Poe of the variance under the floorboards pulsating. That's what it is. All the hopes and dreams of Patrick's graduate students (laughs) just under the floor pulsating. Is this it? Is this what you guys got? We're warming up. You going to grade me on it? It wasn't awful, right? Better than the first, worse than the second. (laughs) Really? I would say. Really, worse than the F. Uh Oh, I don't think it was worse than the F because of the pulsating part. I kind of like yeah, the yeah. pulsating part. Oh no, that's that's what that's what dropped it for me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're not a pulsating guy. 
undulating. What do kangaroos have to do with anything? <laughs> Ungulates are hooved animals. They are not kangaroos. Tell me I a kangaroo to... isn't hooved. I need you to stay in your f- lane. <laughs> kangaroos are marsupials. Oh, it's a marsupial. A marsupial ungulate. Marsupials pulsate? I really like that Patrick's vocabulary is now advanced enough to know the word ungulate, <laughs> yet his semantic like <laughs> category knowledge is not sufficient to know that that's not a kangaroo. So I get partial credit. Like my whole life, I'm seeking partial credit. <laughs> Hamcock, I liked your description. I liked uh-huh. the dynamics of it. I liked the pulsing. I liked you building it up from first principles. Uh-huh. One pulsating variance and a pulsating covariance. I liked all of that. I would have liked five seconds for you to really bring it home. Do we use this in everyday statistics? Is this something yeah, I should care right. about? You mean I could have mentioned things like Hotelling's T-squared or MANOVA or discriminative function analysis where this distribution particularly applies or in some of the original structural equation modeling derivations associated with the fit function under multivariate normality, stuff like that, that I would have squoze in if I had five more seconds? Your SCOG has some cool early stuff. Yes. Where he derives the minima of the function invoking the Wishard on sigma. Exactly. And what was one of Yorskog's most prominent students' first names? Um, oh, damn, you did it. Dag. It's all about There we about go. Thank dags. you very much, everybody. And we'll be here all week. Thanks, folks. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Dude, I'm going to raise your grade to a C+. <laughs> I'm not, because technically it was outside of time. All right. I see that. Plus, I kind of see you're a little moody today, Ethan, so I'm not going to question you any longer, because you frighten us both a little bit. Do you have more for Patrick? (laughs) (laughs) So I don't have any more for Patrick, because Patrick owes me several things in my inbox. Oh, dude. (laughs) I think he probably needs to get on those. Okay, look, look, look. I have my to-do list Honestly, on a computer punch card, and I'm going to hold it up. It says alpha beta draft with a square around it. So that Mm -hmm. means it's a priority for me. Which distinguishes it from all the other words, scribbles. Let's be honest, (laughs) I can't read a damn thing on there with boxes around them. I use my boxes how I use commas, which is rather indiscriminately. (laughs) I do have one thing to mention, if I may. You may. Okay. I think, Greg, you and I are cool now. I still hate him, but you and I are cool. Oh, that kind of makes the next part of what I'm going to say awkward. (laughs) While Patrick was mangling his answers, I put together a little quiz for you, Ethan. Um, What do you think? this, This is a bit awkward. Check your text, Patrick. Check your text. I'm really sorry. There seems to be an ambulance outside. I'm going to have to pause my recording. So I open Greg's texts and there's a picture of a frog. No, okay. No, 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 no. And there's a picture of Ethan at a picnic table flipping the camera off. Yes, yes. All right. We've been there, done that. All right, Uh good. There is a gif of Darth Vader. (laughs) All right, so what do you want to do? Like alternate these or what? Okay. Let's do it. All right. We're just going to tell you the theme right up here, Ethan. The theme is things that you should know about the Netherlands. 
Okay. Do you want to start or you want me to start, Patrick? I'm going to start because I put so much effort into this. <laughs> <clears throat> what percent of the Netherlands lies below sea level? I'm going to guess less than 80%. Less than, I didn't ask for a more than less than. Judges? I, I'm going to guess 25%. You would be wrong. Yeah. Everyone knows it's 40%. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Okay. Not a great start, Dr. McCormick. No, we According to Google, it's 26. <laughs> we- <laughs> so hey, we Jack, where did right. you get 40%? Let's not sweat like what's right or wrong. Um I got one. What color does the Dutch soccer team wear? Orange. Why? Uh, William of Orange, I believe. Who was? Uh, defeated Napoleon. That's a negatory on that one. But dude, he got like 95% <laughs> of it. <laughs> he completely pulled the Napoleon thing out of his because that ain't right. That was like 300 um, years later, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Did he conquer the English? He was sort of the founder of Dutch independence, like what, 1597 or so, as I recall. As you recall from Google. As you recall. <laughs> We'll give him the orange one, though. Just so that we don't offend an entire continent, I won't highlight that you called it a soccer team. Fair enough. Fair enough. Football team. I'm going to ask one more. All right. Name the most famous Dutch beer that has four consonants in a row. Dutch beer with four consonants in a row. Or name any famous Dutch beer. Um, Bavaria. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Arkansas Public Schools. Uh, it's a country that doesn't exist anymore, but boy. <laughs> Google says Grosh. It's Grosh or something like that. <laughs> it's a hard G. All right, get us out of here, Hancock. In the spirit of that, since you are now all about the <laughs> how would you pronounce the cheese that is spelled G-O-U-D-A? Hoda? Judges? Eh. <laughs> No, I'm quite certain that I will be mispronouncing that hard G forever. <laughs> the correct pronunciation, Howda. according to Google Translate, Howda. should I walk down and pull a random Dutch person up here to get a, a second opinion? <laughs> exactly. Nah, no need. No need to no, do no. that. <laughs> we weren't in charge of this. So, Ethan, it's your job to wrap up the episode that you commandeered. Yeah, so in conclusion, these two have put me through oodles and oodles of trauma. I did nothing. I would like... Don't anger him. To think that this episode has been a slight redressing of that balance. Patrick, overall, I'm going to say that you lost this. Uh, Greg did slightly better than you. Um, My clock management was flawless. Yeah, but I just really don't like you. So that's going to be how that goes. So congratulations, Greg. You are the winner. Thank you. That's fair. Yeah, exactly. I'll get you back later for the pop quiz that you gave me. But, you know, for now, we're cool. But yeah, thanks for checking in. This has been a lot of fun for me. <laughs> for you. And trust me, I will get right on the revision of that manuscript that is boxed. It is hard for me to say this, but thank you, Ethan. This has been very traumatic and I am going to go lie down. Is Patrick going to be prostrate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be prostrate on my floor. Um, thanks for being part of this cat rodeo. We appreciate it. Take care and stay safe. Thanks, Ethan. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. How <laughs> 
Thank you so much for listening. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to wreak vengeance on your advisor. And do please leave us a review. You can also follow us on Twitter. We are at QuantitudePod. Or visit our website, QuantitudePod.org, for past episodes and other cool stuff. Finally, you can celebrate the government not shutting down with awesome Quantitude merch at Redbubble.com, where all proceeds go to donors choose to support low-income schools. You have been listening to Quantitude, yet another indicator that tenure may have run its logical course as an institution. Quantitude is brought to you by 90 Seconds, which reminds you that because each second represents 1.1% of your total time, spending 30 of these on Xmas, The Karate Kid, and Patrick's Bromance may not always be your best option. By the National Institutes of Health. We'll give you the money as long as you can tell us exactly what the results of your proposed study are going to be and by academic cluster hires, ensuring that the most talented new faculty available will work on critically important topics in total isolation from one another because each is inexplicably placed in a different department scattered all over campus. This is most definitely not NPR.